Thank you very much. Um, now that I've, I've been here at St Mary's a few months, I think I can um, perhaps admit to some of my uh, private vices. Um, one of them is an interest in cephology. Anybody know what cephology is? Begins P-S-E-P-H, no? Cephology is the study of elections. Yes, I know, it's pretty boring. I love staying up on election night, whether it's here in the UK or American, and just and following the results through the night. If I could be born again, I would be Peter Snow with his swingometer. Anybody remember him? Indeed, I was still at school when I won a national BBC competition to predict the results of the 1979 general election. I even got the Welsh and Scottish nationalists and the Irish results exactly right. That's the kind of nerdy teenager I was. Now, the, the thing about um, elections is that a lot hangs on the party's manifesto. What is the party actually promising to do if it gets into power? Is it attractive? If it does get into power, will it keep its promises? Sometimes you get manifestos from parties or individuals um, who don't have a chance of getting into power, which makes the whole point slightly academic. There was a fringe candidate uh, in the last London mayor election called Count Binface. Here's a picture of him, um, formerly known as Lord Buckethead. Here were some of the promises in his 21-point manifesto to become Lord Mayor. CFAX to be brought back for all households within the M25. Some of you are wondering, what on earth is CFAX? <laughs> no shop to be allowed to sell a croissant for more than one pound. Coffee shops in Chesham, please take note. Speaker phones on public transport to be banned. Offenders to be forced to watch the movie version of Cats every day for a year. And here's my favourite. It was um, uh, manifesto commitment number 19. The hand dryer in the gents' toilet at the Crown and Treaty pub in Uxbridge to be moved to a more sensible position. <laughs> well, amazingly, Count Binface, otherwise known as Lord Buckethead, got almost 25,000 votes in the London mayor election. But it wasn't quite enough to make him London mayor, so he was unable to deliver on his manifesto promises, which is presumably why the hand dryer in the gents at the Crown and Treaty pub is still in the wrong position. So Count Binface, he was willing and keen to implement his manifesto policies, but he lacked the ability to do so. Why? Well, because he wasn't elected. To deliver on your manifesto, you need to be willing and able you need to be committed to delivering on your manifesto promises, and you need the authority and the ability to implement them. Just being willing and keen is not enough. Well, you might ask, well, what's all this got to do with Luke's gospel? Well, three weeks ago, we're looking at Luke's gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and three weeks ago, when we were looking at chapter four, we heard the Nazareth manifesto of Jesus. In the Nazareth synagogue, uh, Jesus quoted from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me, he said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, free 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now these are bold promises. But the question in many people's minds, I guess, would have been, well, that's fine, but is this Jesus really able to deliver? Is he really willing to restore the sight of the blind and set the oppressed free? And more to the point, does he have the ability and the authority to do so? Or are these just empty promises? And in our gospel passage this morning, it's on the back of your sheet, so do have it to hand, uh, we see three separate encounters with Jesus which show that he is indeed willing and able to deliver on his manifesto promises. That he has the authority to set the oppressed free. Jesus can and will, and he wants to deliver. More than that, we see in this passage what lies at the very heart of his manifesto, what its headline is, if you like. And finally, we discover what Jesus asks of us by way of a response to his manifesto. Unlike Lord Binface, he's not asking for our vote. He's asking for a much greater commitment than that. So first of all, we see uh, in our uh, gospel reading that Jesus is willing and able to heal. We see that in verses 12 to 15, when this man who is suffering from leprosy comes to Jesus. Now, our Bible translation has the word leprosy, um, but it could have been any one of a number of skin conditions that affected people at that time. What is certain is that this man is seriously ill. A note that Luke, who of course was a doctor, says that he's covered with leprosy. Verse 12. So this man would have been a social outcast, not only from society, but even from the people of God. In Leviticus, we read that those suffering from leprosy or other defiling skin diseases were ceremonially unclean. They were forced to quarantine themselves, even from their own families. They lived in shame and poverty, often reliant on charity. In fact, this man was breaking the rules just by coming into the town looking for Jesus. But notice what he says in verse 12. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What's striking is, is that he doesn't actually ask Jesus to heal him. He asks him to make him clean. Also note that he appears to recognize that Jesus can make him clean. He has the ability. The question in this man's mind is, is Jesus willing to make him clean? And we see Jesus' response is full of compassion. In fact, he himself breaks the rules. Verse 13, he reaches out his hand and touches the man. In theory, he's defiling himself just by touching him. But with Jesus, the power and the grace is all in one direction. I am willing, Jesus says, be clean. And the man is instantly healed. Now, what we're witnessing here is clearly a miraculous healing. But there's much more going on here. Jesus is making a much more profound point. You see, the man's skin disease, his leprosy, represents our sin. In a way, we, we too are unclean, aren't we? Separated by our sinfulness, not so much from society or, or from each other, but from God. 
Just as the man with leprosy was uh, made clean and brought back into community, brought back into relationship, if you like, with his family and with society, so we too are invited to come to Jesus for cleansing, that we might be brought back into relationship with God. Jesus is willing and able and wants to reach out to touch us with his healing power. The question is, will we come to him for healing? Even if it sometimes seems risky, much as it was risky for this man with leprosy. So we see that Jesus is willing and able to heal. But then in the next encounter, we see, verses 17 to 26, that Jesus also has the authority to forgive. A paralyzed man is dropped by his friends through a hole in the roof just to be near Jesus. It's one of the most striking stories in the, in the Gospels. Again, do you see, someone is taking a risk to get near Jesus. But the initial encounter doesn't go quite as planned. The paralyzed man clearly wants to be healed. But instead, Jesus sees the faith of the man and his friends, and he also sees right into the heart of the situation. And he says in verse 20, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Rather than heal this man straight away, Jesus sees that his greater need is for spiritual healing, for forgiveness, for deliverance from his sins. And Jesus sees that our greatest need is not for physical or emotional healing or even for economic security, but for forgiveness. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are there, they are outraged. Who is this fellow, they ask, verse 21. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know, for once the Pharisees are right. Only the person who is sinned against can truly forgive the sinner. If you go round to your next door neighbour and punch him on the nose... It's no good my saying to you, I forgive you. Nothing to do with me. I'm not the one who is sinned against. Our sin and our rebellion is an offence against our creator God. And only God can forgive our sins. Which is why Jesus' claim to forgive the sins of the paralysed man is, in the eyes of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, truly scandalous. C.S. Lewis once wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, either this man, Jesus, either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. In other words, either Jesus has the authority to forgive sins because he's God or he's a charlatan. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes thought that Jesus was a charlatan. But to prove his divine authority, Jesus shows just how wrong they are. He heals the paralyzed man anyway. To make a point, look at verse 24. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man was miraculously healed. Jesus' divine authority was confirmed. So we see that Jesus is willing 
and able to heal and to clean. And that he has authority from God, not only to heal and to clean, but to go to the very heart of the human predicament and to forgive sins. Jesus is willing and able, and he has the authority to deliver on his manifesto promises. But hang on, you might say, let's just dial back and go back to that Nazareth manifesto. It talked about good news for the poor and freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free. What's all this about forgiving sin? Is that a new policy made up after the event? Well, I've already admitted to being a political nerd and uh, I do read uh, party manifestos and when you read them, you'll see that there are a lot of policies in these manifestos, um, but they're always subsumed under one overarching goal, one headline, if you like. When Boris Johnson went into the last election in December 2019, he issued a manifesto with lots of policy commitments in them, but there was one big headline. You may remember it. Get Brexit done. Unleash Britain's potential. Anyone remember that? Now, whatever our views on that, uh, head, that uh, manifesto headline might be, it at least had the merit of being punchy and superficially clear. The headline provided the overarching narrative. And similarly, Jesus did come to proclaim good news to the poor and freedom for prisoners. He did come to restore sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. He came to do all of these things and more, as we see in our passage today. And he did them. He also came to bring peace, something we give thanks for today on Remembrance Sunday, when we remember those who have died in the two world wars. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, John chapter 14 and verse 27. But these were not the prime reason Jesus came into the world. So what was the prime reason? Well, a few years ago, there was a very lively debate on Twitter, and it started with a tweet from the Christian pastor and writer, Tim Keller. He wrote this, Jesus didn't come primarily to solve the economic, political, and social problems of the world. He came to forgive our sins. Not a controversial statement, you would think, but there were almost 400 replies on Twitter, many from very prominent theologians, and they disagreed with Keller. They thought that Jesus' main purpose was political or social or economic. For them, it was all about what you might call liberation theology. And yet here in Luke chapter 5, we see that Jesus' real mission on earth is crystal clear. He's presented with a paralyzed man, and the first thing he does is to forgive his sins. He goes to the heart of the matter, to the heart of his mission. And this becomes even clearer in our third and final encounter with Jesus, the one with Levi, the tax collector, verses 27 through to 32. This Levi, of course, whose Greek name was Matthew and who went on to become the apostle and gospel writer. But Levi began his life as a tax collector, a hated and probably corrupt tax collector for the Romans, a collaborator, if you like. Again, he was an outsider, 
just like the man with leprosy and the paralyzed man. And this is where Jesus himself confirms his missions. Verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And notice that it was once again Jesus who made the crucial move towards the outsider. Just as Jesus reached out to the man with leprosy, breaking all the conventions, just as Jesus penetrated into the heart of the paralyzed man, forgiving his sins, so Jesus goes in search of sinners. He not only approaches Levi and invites him to follow him, verse 27, he even sits with a, and has a meal with a whole bunch of tax collectors. And when he's challenged by the Pharisees and scribes, Jesus responds with his manifesto headline. It's in verses 31 to 32. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The question this morning is this. What is our response to this Jesus who is both willing and able to heal and cleanse. This Jesus who has the power and the authority to forgive sin. This Jesus who is able and willing to deliver on his bold manifesto commitments. This Jesus who can go to the very heart of the human predicament and forgive sin. The Jesus who came by his own admission not to call the righteous, but to call sinners like you and me to repentance. Because this is the Jesus who comes and to search us out, to reach out and touch us, to call us to turn around and to follow him. What is our response to this Jesus? If you're here in church or you're watching online and you don't yet know this Jesus, know this. Jesus came to call you by name, to turn around and to repent and to be forgiven, and to follow him. If you'd like to know more, do please get in touch. We'd love to tell you more about Jesus. But if you do know Jesus, then praise God. But take heart from the example of the friends of the paralyzed man. Did you notice that? It was they who brought him to Jesus. It was they who dropped him through the roof. It was their faith that caused Jesus to forgive the man and to heal him. Who do you have on your heart to pray for, to get alongside, to support on their faith journey, to drop into the presence of Jesus, if you like, that they too might come to know him and be forgiven and cleansed by him? You see, Jesus had a bold manifesto. It wasn't headlined, get Brexit done. It was headlined, get sin done dealt with. Get sin dealt with. That's what Jesus does. That's why Jesus came. He reaches out to us. Are we ready to heed his call? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, this Jesus who reaches out to heal, to cleanse, to forgive sin, who invites us to repent and follow him. Help us to know this Jesus more and more each day, we pray in his name. Amen.